God, I am so thankful for this church family. I'm thankful for all that is going on in the life of this church. I thank you that we have, we can make time for family business. And I pray that this would be a time that is helpful and fruitful and profitable. We thank you for this food and all the people who have worked hard to make it and to set it up and set up this room and the people who will work hard to break down this room. And so thank you for all that goes into an event like this. We pray that you would bless this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll give you a quick – we have a tight time schedule. I'm going to stay on time. Uh, quick Davis update. We're doing well. We went seven – can everybody see me okay? 17 days with the flu, but we are officially out, and we are excited. Uh, we are all healthy, and it was, it was really cute. We're eating uh, dinner over there. And I could, it was one of those moments where I felt like my family is integrating where my four-year-old James said he wasn't eating until he could sit with his girlfriends. I said, who are your girl- girlfriends? And I found out it was the Yarborough girls. So that's his girlfriends. <laughs> but we felt kind of at home at that moment. So, so that I want to, I guess, I don't know if you don't have agendas. I'm, I want to cover two really important things that are happening in the life of this church um, two really important things. And the first is our land purchase. So a lot of you are aware uh, that we, we've been talking about this land. Most everyone probably is aware that the land that is on the east side of this building. So when you pull in, in, in the parking lot, all the land to your left on the street, we do not own. And I remember thinking you know, when I was coming on, onboarding me and they were – talking to me about the land, I, I said a little prayer, God, I, I'd love it if maybe three years from now we could buy that land. I could imagine that being very helpful. The last thing I wanted to do is have any kind of a capital campaign my first you know, year or two in, in my tenure here. But as you know, the owners of that land came to us and they said, we're, we're selling it uh, and we're giving you the first, first shot at it. Um, and many of you are aware, the second most interested party is the abortion clinic that parks there regularly at this point. Because of all the picketers, they park here and they walk. And, uh, but you know, it's not just because we don't want them to have the land, although we don't want them to have the land. <laughs> but you know, in, God's, in God's providence, we are maxing out our parking lot at this point. So, so there are some short-term and some long-term benefits to this land. I, I, I really can't overstate the short-term benefits. We can fit in this building on a Sunday between 550 and 600 people. Now, that, that's, that's worship space and kids' activities, as is, 550 to 600, to 600. We only have parking for 300 to 330 people. And so we're already out of parking spots, and people are already in the grass. Uh, we, we, we've done a lot of calculations, and so we think – and you can see right there, okay, there's, there's the land, and, and those are – we're thinking that land would immediately open 75 more spots and allow us to at least fill up this building. So we, we're very sure you – we've done a lot of calculations. We average between 2.6 people per car and 2.2 people per car depending on, on the Sunday. Uh, and which gives us a range of 300 to 330 people before we're completely full here. So if we don't have this land – and by the way, you, you might be asking, where are we now? Uh, this week we were 250. Last week we were 243 because it was rainy and people don't always come when it rains. The week before that we were at 270. So we're, we're really getting closer to this 300 to 330 mark where we will be full. We don't have another option. We can't fit any more cars. So this land really is imperative right now. I mean, I don't, I don't think this Easter we would – I mean, right now we're at hitting 270, and everybody's not coming at the same time. So you have an event like Easter, and, and we, we don't know what we're going to do with all the cars. So um, – and, and even before Easter, I probably it, – it's crazy how this works out. It's as if there's a God who's in charge of everything. <laughs> but Ligon Duncan is going to be preaching March 17th, and the scheduled closing on the land is two days before that. And, and so we, we have every expectation. If you know who Ligon Duncan is, he's one of the most influential people in the Reformed world. That's going to be the first logical day that we're going to need that space for parking. And in God's timing, we are closing or scheduled to close two days before that. So in the short term, I can't overstate the importance of that parking lot if, you know, if we want to continue to use this facility. In the long term, most people also don't realize we can't really do anything with that land that we do own. 
we, we, because of codes and mainly codes, we can't access and build more space without adding, my understanding, parking and other things that have to happen. But when we own all that land out front, we unlock all this land to do things, everything from more parking to educational space, um, places for youth to, to gather, and we, we open a lot of options here uh, in, the, in the long term. So this land is incredibly strategic for our church, and you know I, I'm kind of in discover OGC mode right now, but this is one of those things that will go in the history of OGC. I mean, this is a strategic time where we're able to um, unlock the land and fill up the building. And by God's grace, that is that seems to be the track that we're on. So um, the next logical question is, okay, we agree that we need it. How do we get it? And, and this is what I did not want to do my first two years here. We need money. And obviously, you know, Lord help me, I do not want to stand on the stage with a thermometer and, <laughs> and have some poorly proof text Old Testament verse and have a cheesy campaign name, all right? I want to call it the We Need $510,000 campaign. That's, that's, that's what this is. We, we need $510,000. Um, everyone I know in this room has, has a different ability to give. So I don't know who gives what. I will never know who gives what. I don't want to know who gives what. I would treat you differently if I, if I knew because I'm a sinful person. But the, my hope is that kind of as a, as a general challenge, and this is what the Davises are taking on as well. Maybe everybody could think about giving a month or two in addition to what you do on a monthly basis, so a month or two specifically towards this need. Now, some of you can't do that, and that's fine. Not everybody's in a position to be able to do it. Some of you could do six, eight, 12 months, and that's fine too. Um, it's one of those things that's between all of us and the Holy Spirit, what we can do, but but we need to raise this money, and this part's critical. We need to raise it in a way that does not affect our general fund. So I, I would rather you don't you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, that's the priority. And then if you can do anything more, that, that's the sweet spot. Um, so our goal is to own this land outright and without any debt by 2022. And this is the really crazy part. Um, I say crazy. I'm just in awe of people who are... Um, biz, real estate business minded, but we have a team of people on this, most of whom, you know, people like Kirk and Matt and Chuck and Mike, who have figured out a way, if there's a difference between what we raise and, and the cost of the land, we have a way to carry that debt that will, that will have zero effect on our budget. Zero. In any way. If you're interested in knowing how that happens, there's going to be a meeting next week that Matt West will lead. I'm not going to get in the weeds here. If you, if you, but if you're really interested in how exactly, if we don't hit the 510,000 mark, what do we do? And how does that not affect the, the daily budget of this church, the monthly budget? Matt's going to explain that all. So, um, so I want to invite you, if you want, next week at noon uh, is when that, right after the service, depending on the size, either in the conference room or here. Um, but so you can, because I haven't been referencing the slides, you can see all that land long term gets unlocked. The bottom right of part is where we're beginning to park. You can see I park there. And if you, you know, if you can be careful, you know the sprinklers are, we've tried to identify them. We'd love for any, if you get here early, park there. And that unlocks the spots for guests when they come. Is there anything that I have not covered on the land front? All right, we're, we're going to be, I'm not going to take questions now just so I can get through everything, but we're available for questions. I'm available. Chuck's available. Matt's not here right now, but he's available via phone. And of course, Mike's been swimming this Kirk, you too. So I'm excited and just thankful in advance for anybody who wants to be a part of purchasing this land and, and really being a part of seeing what God does in this next season with that land. All right, second thing, the elders have decided to hire a full-time music director. Uh, this is a decision that actually precedes me. So before I was even hired, um, the elders had, had already decided after we hire a, a teaching pastor, the next hire is going to be a music person. Um, all the, uh, we've, we've already, Mike and I have already met with all the musicians. They, they know everything that we're talking about tonight. Uh, but I, wanna, I want to 
make a few things, just kind of answer a few questions about this as we, we wade into the process. We don't, there's, this is not like an announcement of who or anything like that. I just kind of want to bring you into a process that is very much in motion. So the first question I want to answer is what exactly is this position? This position is a full-time music director. And there's two, two pieces that I want to explain. The full-time part first, because some people would rightly say, you know, is this a, a full-time job? You know, and, and the answer at this stage in OGC's life is no. However, um, show me the person with the talent who can give us 20 hours a week during the hours of eight to five so they can be in our staff meeting, in the office, work with musicians, Show me that person with the talent. I, I, I mean, I've been, I've been in this world long enough to know that I just don't think they're out there because they can't afford to give 20 hours of their week and do something else and still pay for their families. So we've decided instead to go to a full-time hire, uh, and this person would have what we're calling a plus one. This person would have some other, some other ability to contribute in addition to the, to the, music, um, in addition to the music piece. We would tailor that part around this person. We're not in advance saying, you know, he's got to do this. Um, but we have a list of things that we could, needs that we can't get to right now that we would be glad to, um, for a music person to do if he were to have, you know, those skills and talents. We don't want to put somebody, you know, into a job that where they're not, they're not gifted. But um, so that's the full time part. The uh, and then there's the music. Director part. This is not a music pastor. It's not an elder position. This is a director and not to say that this person Couldn't one day be an elder and move into a pastoral role. That's just not what we're hiring right now So that's what the position is Next question uh, is who is the ideal candidate for this position? Well first they would have to share our philosophy of music. We have a philosophy of music. It is not changing uh, this is fresh on my mind because we talked about it in Discover OGC today. Uh, but you can see the philosophy up there on the screen. Uh, congregational, we, the main instrument that we are trying to play every Sunday is our voices. We want, we want to, we want to, the music person would not need to lead us in a way that would, that would help people to sing. Um, we want these songs to be knowable. We obviously want them to be singable. Man, there's some great songs on, uh, on the radio that, that have no business being sung in church because they're not singable, they're not congregational. We obviously want them to be true. <laughs> and then uh, we want it to be contextual. And we've talked a lot about that before, but we want to have an appropriately contextualized music here, um, not under-contextualized, not over-contextualized. We're not looking to you know, just mimic everything Imagine Dragons does, Coldplay. We, we want to appropriately contextualize music uh, in our service. So the candidate would have to share our philosophy. The candidate would have to be competent. And the way that I, uh, I describe competency, you think about it, a scale of zero to 10 in terms of talent. I'm your zero to one, okay? That's, that's me. <laughs> On the other side, you know, you're, the 10 is your Christian Stanfield. You know, somebody who is, who is producing music and national names, you know, touring, then you have a nine, let's say a nine is producing their own music, but most people don't know them. And then you have an eight, an eight would be somebody that is competent enough where musicians will come to the church to play with this person. They, they, they know this person, they like this person, they know they're gonna be developed from this person. That would be an eight, and then a seven would be maybe people in the community aren't coming just to play with this musician, but, uh, but everyone who plays with this person is developed. They're developed, they're made better, and obviously there's a clear execution on, on what we're trying to do. So, so realistically, we're thinking seven, eight is where we're gonna land. Um, like, oh, nine or 10 comes along, fantastic. But realistically, that, that's what we mean when we, when we speak in terms of competency. And then this person has to have a plus one. There has to be something else. I mean, if someone comes in and says, all I've got is music, there's no way I can do anything else, we can hire them. <laughs> there has to be this additional value to the job. And then lastly, there's got to be chemistry. This person has to have chemistry with, uh, with obviously the musicians, but then with the staff, elders, deacons. So we, we would want to bring the right person in in terms of, of chemistry. And then the last question is how are we going about this process? Well, our hope is to be very transparent in this process. Uh, and the process will be very similar to how I was hired. 
the, the, the one difference, because this person would not be an elder, is there's not a congregational vote, but everything else about the process would be, would be about the same. Um, we have these categories of ones, twos, and threes in terms of how well we know them. Uh, a one is somebody who's already in our midst or has been a member uh, in this church. A two is somebody, I was a two for what it's worth, somebody who's substantively known by somebody in this church. So I was substantively known by Mike and Judy and, and a couple others. But, um, and then a three is just someone totally random. We, they were recommended to us, and they fit the bill, and we think we like them, and we're going to step out on a limb and hire them. That's, those are the categories we have. And, and we're not going to apologize for the fact that a two beats – if all things are equal, a two beats a three and a one beats a two. If God already has somebody around us, we already know them. There's less of a risk. So that, that's something that, that we really pay attention to in this process. Um, and then when? <laughs> you know, how can, when can we afford this person? Well, Mike and Kirk have done a lot of work. <clears throat> it not, it, well, part of it with the land um, not affecting our budget right now, that, that's a huge piece. And they have, they have projected that if giving remains flat from this point forward – uh, and, and I hope it doesn't, and I'm going to make a case for that too. But um, if giving remains flat, we will be able to pull the trigger on this hire sometime in the summer. That's the time frame. Now, having said that, you know, we, you know, as as you give, and again, I don't know who gives what, but but you'll be giving towards helping us move forward in, in this process. Again, this is outside of the land. I, I I hate that I'm even talking about two things to give to in a in a family night meeting, but. If just you know, if you're here and you're not giving on a monthly basis, you know this would be a real way that you can help us move the ball down the court on this. Or if maybe your financial position has changed, again, this is your between you and the Holy Spirit. But we want you to know that um, it's not just going in to this pot and sitting there. We, we have a plan that we would that we really feel like the Lord is leading us in um, in this next stage in the history of our church. So. That is a lot. How am I doing on time? 6.17. I'm supposed to be done by 6.25. So let me do this. I will stop and have about five minutes of questions. Um, if anybody has questions on either land or music front. Rob. I guess I would just, so the land, we are under contract in this land purchase. We are. Okay, so, and that, Lord willing, will close on March 17th. Is it the 15th? And then there's financing being arranged or whatever to cover, but we're buying it. We're not. Well, so yes. Wait, no, so we, there's two things here. We feel like it is such a strategic thing for the church. We went ahead and did this. Now, let's say something crazy happens. You know, we don't have the finances. Half the church leaves in a church split. Um, at the end, I'm trying to think of something really crazy. We're, we're, we're trying to plan for the worst-case scenario. Worst-case scenario, then we get to choose our neighbor. Then we get, to, we get to sell the land, and it's not the abortion clinic. And so we, we've, we have engaged in a contract, and we feel like even in the worst-case scenario, uh, it's wise for us to be able to choose our neighbor. My understanding is it is ready right now, right now, to park on. And I, I, I don't want to get very in the weeds, but because that's county property and the way we're purchasing it, we're purchasing it under a, a shell of another name. Another, I mean, it's in, we're going to set up a 501c3 that's separate from the name of the church so that the city will not require us to annex it. And so because it's on county zoning, we can park there tomorrow, well, the day after closing. It's ready to fit our greatest need in this church, which is pretty cool. Yes, I mean, we, we, there are a number of things from um, everything from community group leadership to some, I mean, it could be youth, it could be communications skills, media, videos, I mean, we really do have a gambit of, of things that we need right now um, that, that hopefully would cover a wide variety of, of skills. Can you explain exactly the contextual need 
Yes. So, no, okay, so contextual, you know, we, we, want to, we want to have a ministry that is appropriate to the context. So the, the easy answer I always give is, you know, when I moved to Italy, we learned Italian because the context there dictates that we share the gospel in a different language. Um, he, you know, the most um, volatile area of contextualization is music. It, it just is. So let's say you have this spectrum, a continuum of under-contextualized and over-contextualized. The extreme on under-contextualized would be the least accessible music you could think of, like chanting Latin hymns or something. You know, They're very inaccessible. Um, now, they might be great Latin hymns, and if everybody knows Latin, they're very blessed from being able to do it. Uh, and then you know, moving this way would be your more traditional organ hymns only, psalms only. Uh, and, then, and then you move all the way. To, and let me say on this side – I would say it's very faithful, but you, you suffer in terms not of quality of fruit, but quantity of fruit on the under-contextualized side. On the over-contextualized side, uh, the context dictates what we do. So this would be like having – well, we look at the, the, the Coldplay concert or the U2 concert. We just want to do everything they do. We want the lasers and the lights and the fog. and So, so we wouldn't – and so on that side – you actually don't suffer in terms of quantity of fruit because you can bring the masses to that, but you suffer in terms of quality of fruit. So what we're trying for is an appro a contextually appropriate worship where we would – I mean there would be connections with how we do music today. We would be aware of the you – know, I, I always joke I don't know how many, how many songs are produced every year in the Christian music world, but let's say there's 5,000. Maybe three of them merit being sung in church, <laughs> and we need somebody who has the time and the skill to be able to wade through all the new stuff and say, you know, how do we take the old stuff and put it into our context? Because we do have guitars and, and maybe even drums one day, and, and, we, and, and we do recognize there's, there's new stuff. So how do we fit this contextually appropriate middle? It's a great question. Any other questions? Well, we will, as always, be available if you have any questions. Um, I'm going to hand this over to Amanda in a second, but I do ask you just, just to really pray. We, we feel like this is, if, again, if I had my druthers, I, I would, th this is something I'd want to wade into year two or three, but that's not, that's not how the Lord has had it. And, and we feel like he is really leading us into, I mean, and, and not just leading us, but like forcing our hand, <laughs> and especially on the land front. So please pray. Um, we're excited. We feel like things are going well, but with that, uh, you know, we become a new kind of target for the enemy at this church. Um, and we just, we're aware of that and we, we need your prayers. So um, I'm going to hand it to Amanda, who is going to talk to us about some other new changes being implemented. Um, as a father of four children, I'm personally very excited about some of these things. But I will let her fill everyone in. Thanks. Hi. Um, I try to avoid talking in these things, so... Um, yeah, so here we are. So I'm really excited to um, tell you that we are implementing a new children's check-in software system. Um, if you're a nursery volunteer, you may have caught some wind of that. Um, the system that we've been using has been connected to Gracelink, and it has met our needs up to this point. Um, but we really feel like moving forward, we want to just do a little bit better. Does that make sense? Um, Every week we just have more and more children and families. I mean, right now there's, I don't know, 30 or 40 kids on the playground. Um, and we just want to continue to love families well. And um, we really value keeping your children safe in a bunch of different ways. And this new online check-in system is going to be super helpful in that regard. Um, so the why behind why we're making this change um, is sort of what I just said, that we want to communicate a high value of children and their safety. Um, when a family walks in for the first time, we want them to feel confident that they're leaving their children in good hands. Um, we want to have a professional face on our children's ministry. Um, and we want to just continue to improve communication between parents and volunteers. So 
Um, the name tags in the new system will not only print allergies, which we're printing now, but will also print children's birthdays um, and also has a field um, where parents can enter specific notes based on that week. So my baby's teething. Sorry, she might be fussy this morning. Specific to this specific morning, which is just so helpful. As a nursery volunteer, the more information you can get to help this child, the better. Or, you know, we love to go outside, or I love trucks, or whatever, whatever piece of information a parent would share with you could be really a helpful component. Um, the second thing I'm excited about is, is um, the hospitality that we can show to first-time guests as they um, come in. They are going to be able to use an iPad to check in their children for the first time. And it's also going to allow us to capture more data from them. Um, at this point, it's hard to get a full bit of data, including like a mailing address, an email address, all the phone numbers for all the people. It's a lot of information to talk through with someone, me sitting at the computer telling you all that, you telling me all that information. Um, so to be able to enter that in will allow us to connect better with visitors. Um, I hope to be able to send a postcard to every kid that comes and visits that just says, thanks so much for visiting our ministry this week. Um, my kids love getting things in the mail, like the dentist sends them a reminder card and like their day has been made. So, um, so I think that that'll like go a long way to like building connections with kids and their parents that go with that. <clears throat> the most exciting thing about the kid check system um, for people in this room is this component that's called the express check-in, which allows you to download the kid check app onto your personal cell phone. Um, and then basically you check your kid in on your phone before you even arrive. Um, and once you arrive in the building, you hit the check-in button and their labels print out automatically. So there will be no, theoretically, there will be no more line at the check-in station. There will be no waiting. It will streamline the process for you um, and really free up our check-in desk and our check-in volunteer to connect with new families. Does that make sense? So. Um, the logistics of that and what that means is if you are a nursery volunteer or a parent, um, you should have just gotten an email from me. Um, I sent it while we were talking here tonight. So if you're a parent or a nursery volunteer and didn't get that email from me, um, please come tell me and I would love to uh, send that out to you. But um, it gives you a link to the app or the website to set up an account. Um, as a parent, we do need you to set up the account and put in all the information. Um, but we're launching the new kid check system March the 3rd. So that's two weeks from today. So next Sunday I will be available to help you troubleshoot if you have any app problems or questions about your profile or all of that. It really is very simple. Um, and in the email is a video tutorial that will walk you through the whole process. Um, and I promise it will take less than 10 minutes. Um, Mike and I have set our kids up and it really is a a quick process. We decided the hardest part was choosing which picture of your kid you wanted to be the cute <laughs> image of them. <clears throat> so uh, March 3rd is when the new system is launching. Um, to do the express check-in, which is the one that you can use your own cell phone for, you have to have checked in once at the location before. So you have to wait till the second, your second visit to OGC to do that. So we won't be able to do it the first week, but the second week everyone should be able to do that. So. Um, those are the technical components. The other thing that's happening with this topic is we are moving my check-in cart. Um, the cart is going away and we're moving me back to the Welcome Center, which is where I used to be a while ago. Um, because we won't have that line back up anymore, it'll be a much easier touch point for a visitor walking in the door to come right to that Welcome Center, that that's where your kids are, that's where you can get information about Sunday school class without having to make the whole trek through the lobby. So um, we're really excited, I'm really excited. Um, technology does make me a tiny bit nervous that um, there could be some hiccups along the way, but I really do believe that this is like an important strategic step for our the next phase of our children's ministry as we move from like being a small church where everybody knows all the kids to a bigger church where there's more and more new faces it just becomes more important that we um, keep our kids safe so that's what I got
What is it? Oh, yes, Kirk is up next. That's all my deal, but I am available. If you have questions afterwards, I'd love to chat more about this. Yeah. Oh, it's Kirk. It's Kirk. It's you. I'm sorry. I forgot. It's an emergency was after me. It's Kirk. Not, not Kirk, but Kirk. How about PC? We'll go with PC. <laughs> It is so terrific to see you all, even those of you who have no idea what your name is. It's exciting what God is doing, and Jan and I have you in our hearts, and we continue to pray. I bring you greetings from her. She's minding the wood stove in Idaho for us. It has been snowing like crazy ever since I left. But this is Little Miss Woman on the Prairie, and she is just, and I would say, in terms of an update, personally, where I'd like to start, um, our transition since heading there in September has been a story of God's provision and countless answers to prayer. Not the least of which is this homegrown Floridian, Orlando-born, tropical woman loves the Pacific Northwest, especially the winter. <laughs> yeah, there, that's blizzard conditions. You can't see her, but... <laughs> you have that picture I sent, but... Yeah. You're looking at it, right there, live from Idaho. <laughs> I don't think I have a photo from you. Yeah, I Are you serious? I sent you an email with six photos for this update. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'll see if I can find some. All right. Imagine Jan. I mean, I think, now granted, it's novel, all right? Your first winter. But she just says, I'm going outside and taking pictures. I'll see you in a while. Just because it's snowing and it's white and she loves everything about Idaho. She loves the wildlife. She loves the, we're right at the base of the Clearwater Mountains. We're about 200 miles north of Boise, north central, right where the panhandle comes down, smack dab in the middle. Very rural. She loves the, we're along the Clearwater River Valley. She loves that. She loves, she loves the quiet. She loves the lack of traffic. She, <laughs> And she, I don't know how she would take this. She loves living in a 78 mobile home. <laughs> and perhaps the most significant um, answer to prayer is that she and I love our new church home. Trinity Reformed Baptist Church. Now, you have to try to get your arms around this. In squirrely, north central, rural Idaho, where there are all kinds of things being peddled from pulpits, to have a 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith church planted two years ago, just 20 minutes from our home, is nothing short of God at work. And they have been praying for two, two years for God to send them a part-time pastor. And the elders who planted the church decided earlier this year that if God didn't answer that prayer this year, they're gonna close it down. About 30, 35 people, love the Lord, gospel centers. It's a little weird preaching to a bunch of guys with pistols on their hip. It's an open carry thing. It has not yet caused me to cautious about my doctrine, but it is kind of strange. It has been amazing to feel like somebody's answered prayer. I preach every other week. I'm doing pulpit supply. I've not been called as part-time pastor. They're waiting for the spring to do that, mostly at our request, to have some decompression time, redeployment time. But when we became members, we spent the evening with the elders. They interviewed us, and they accepted us on the basis of our profession of faith, and so on and so forth. And, and then they said, hey, we know you need work. We don't want you going out and get a job. So we're going to pay you like you're working 20 hours a week, but we're not going to require anything of you but to preach every other week. And by the way, they're going through the Gospel of John. I have a fairly heavy file <laughs> on the Gospel of John. And then they said, 
We're going to throw in a couple of times for you and Jan to go back to Florida. We'll pay for the airfare. We'll pay for rental car because it's no it's important that you're with family and friends. And then, by the way, would you like to go to John MacArthur's church for the Shepherds Conference in March? His 50th year anniversary. We'll pay for your conference and for your hotel. And Jane and I are going to do that together and do a little Pacific Coast Highway trip on the way back. It's all good. I mean, I'm living the dream. The honeymoon goes on. I could be a two on the pastoral scale of one to ten, but Jan in the mix, I'm like an eight. <laughs> Playing piano, that's doing. Ah, there's Trinity Reformed Baptist Church. Do you have a picture of her in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. This is the first picture. There she is. <coughs> Loving the winter. Um, yeah, she's a very, a very happy camper. And, and of course, the other, other thing that, a significant in the transition was my book came out in November. Most of you know that. And I just want to say to you, um, God's, God's using your story. I'm starting to get mail. One example, a pastor from Canada emailed me two weeks ago saying, our church is in massive conflict. I found your book on Amazon. I read it. It was so helpful. We're hoping to use it this year. Pray for us. If we don't have a breakthrough, I will not be here next year. So he and I spent an hour and a half on Skype just this week and was able to help, I think, help Andrew. So should I make one personal, another shameless appeal? If you've read it and you don't think it's terrible, <laughs> if you can, and you're an Amazon shopper, the reviews help an awful lot. I'm, I'm an unknown entity out there, but for people to take a chance, the more reviews I get of a positive nature about the book, then the more people, every time somebody posts a review, I see the Kindle downloads go up. So I would just ask you, your story is why I want that out there, to help people. Yeah, there's eventually maybe going to be some royalties that come in, but I'm not quitting my day job, believe me on that. So the other thing I want to give an update on here in my time is the trip, uh, oh, I should just say, my teeth are doing well. I saw the dentist last Tuesday. He put the new appliance in, it feels so much better. He's gonna check me out tomorrow. If he says they okay, he'll use a torque wrench and, and ratchet those four screws and the implants down, and I'll be good to go. If there's still more work to be done, I won't leave until next Monday, so we build up some time. You all, some of you may not know this, but Orlando Grace, kind of an out-the-door blessing and yet an opportunity for ministry, sent Jan and me to East Asia last October for eight days to visit our M's there in that country. Please do not share on social media or at all anything about this. And I don't have that many pictures to show you because of the security issues. But we were there, I can show you these, these couples. The, this is the night before we left. There's the, the W's on the left, and there's the J's on the right, our M's. We had to learn this code over there because of security risk, and there's the hefts in the middle. Here's what you, as a church, need to know for the cause of global missions. Every single penny invested in those two households is worth it and more. They are functioning in their real house. The J's in theological development and the W's in coaching campus staff. In eight days, they exposed us to a great deal of what's going on in that place. And I just want to say to you, keep praying for them and keep investing in them. They are doing a good work and are treasured treasured servants. And please understand this, they told Jan and me, no sending church in their history has ever sent anybody to them to see their work. They were moved, touched, and so grateful that you made that investment. Now for Jan and me, it was a trip of a lifetime because we saw how God is on the move in East Asia. Oh, there's so much I could, t I, could, I could tell you and show you about that. I'm going to have a high-rise picture. One, one notable element, we got to visit with some house church pastors. It was not my idea at all. I had this rural vision of a dirt road, and the house churches, 
this city of 13 million plus in the Sichuan province is, is one high rise after another. You're not in downtown, but you think you are. And Jay got us into one of the house churches and we sat in the room with two house church pastors under a very secure situation and got to interview them for an hour. And I asked them, what would you have the church in the West pray the most for you? They did not bat an eye. Pray for more laborers. They didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for uh, protection. They asked because they're so committed to reproduction and multiplication. The, lab the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers. And so I, I, I want to encourage you that Aslan is on the move in East Asia. There are there are upwards to 3,000 house churches in this one city and region alone. And the Lord is working. Though they are not without conflict. This author has job security, I think, for a while. There's not an absence of conflict in rural Idaho either, by the way. I have to do preaching on Peacemaking 101. Shane got to play worship music. We had a good time working with the national staff and uh, the American staff there talking about how to do biblical conflict resolution. So, God's on the move. The other thing I'm going to say about what's happening in East Asia, is can I have the picture of the empty bookshelves? The risk and the persecution is significant. And it's been ratcheted up very intensely ever since we were there. I don't think there was any connection to that. Those, that picture is significant because it is the library of the seminary in this city that we were privileged to tour. And just two weeks before, the police community confiscated 6,000 titles. So the government is able to ratchet up the intensity of its persecution whenever it wants to. And shortly after we left, they clamped down on this particular seminary. The leader, who is known as the Kim Keller of this country, and it, uh, people have been detained. Even while we were there, a couple of the staff on the ministry were thrown out of the country. And this is why you must be very careful, because the J's and the W's and the other staff that are over there are constantly under that possibility that they'll come in and just throw them out. So the risk is great, uh, but the work is great. And then the need is great. Can I have the final picture of the Buddhist temple where we were? Um, right in the middle of the heart of the downtown shopping district is this old Buddhist temple. And this was only one of the sites where a number of people would come in, they'll put the money in, and they'll, and they'll kneel. And um, <clears throat> these people are ministry and laboring in a place where idolatry is very tangible and the need is great. I just, I just thank you for the privilege of being able to represent, and Jan does as well, Orlando Grace on this trip. And what, a, what, a, what a privilege it was to finish my tenure here uh, to that end. So, love you guys, appreciate you. Next time I'm back, I'll bring the better half and she can talk to you. Okay. Okay. sitting at the nearly all accountants table over here, or several of us anyway, so I think I'm going to have some new recruits to help out, but I um, just want to do a, just a quick overview of where we were at for 2018. Uh, this is really high number level numbers, high level numbers really rolled up. Um, I did print some financial statements for those of you that might want to see more detail. They are out at the Welcome Center if you'd like to take a look. I also have some of our uh, work day for next Saturday items there if you want to see a list of the things that we have laid out uh, indoors and outdoors as a little plug for that uh, for next weekend as well. Um, so top line uh, 2018 budget, uh, just about 499,000 for our tithes and offerings. Uh, we came in at 483, so about 97%. So actually overall quite good for the year. Um, and then our total expense, uh, we did come in higher. Of course, we had the, the transition uh, between PC and gym. Uh, so some extra, extra things going on there with the transition. So then our um, net ordinary income uh, was, the budget was 83,000, the actuals was 37,500. Uh, so a little bit, again, a little bit lower there. Uh, the net other income, that's, I, I mention this every year, 
it's probably a little confusing, but that's kind of the area where we, we do the rent for the property up the street. Uh, any building fund gifts or succession fund gifts were in there and then expenditures against that, um, including our uh, mortgage payment. Uh, so our mortgage payment interest is in there. In the budgeted number, you have the principal payment as well, uh, which doesn't get recorded. But anyway, I don't, we'll get into too much detail on that. Ask me later if you want me to get into details there. Uh, so the bottom line is uh, we came out uh, with $17,200. Uh, my wife continually asks me, well, but I look in the, I look in the bulletin and it always says we're, we're low on our giving. You know, here's the budget and here's our actuals. And it's usually low. That's, again, the top number there. Um, so when you take into account our, I added to the bottom, we do have a general fund. So that is our, basically our available cash. We try to keep a three month reserve on hand. Uh, we're, we ended the year right at about two months. Um, so that's the $93,000. Um, our change year over year, we did use about $7,000 of that general fund reserve to get through 2018. So we did dip into that a little bit um, in 2018, just uh, for those of you that kind of want to know the, the bottom line overall picture. Uh, for our cash. Um, so that's the, the quick rundown. Again, I've got the financials out there. Uh, we have, there's a number of funds that we have reserves for maintenance, things like that, that we have established as well uh, that are above the general fund. Um, so I can certainly take questions on that. We probably got a couple of minutes if anybody has specific questions before. I think, Mike, you were going to go over the budget for 2019, which is up there on the far right. So, all right, any questions? All right, Mike. If you didn't understand any of that, it's okay. Um, we basically spent $7,000 more than what we had come in this past year. And given succession and all those different kinds of things, it's a win. We'll take it. Um, so just casting some vision here just for the 2019 budget, um, we are budgeting, as you can see in the very top right, um, just a little bit over $545,000 for this next calendar year. And basically a lot of that increase is really just the, the need to, um, uh, to make a full-time music director hire um, sometime in the middle of this year, um, along with the various kind of um, cost of living adjustments and a couple other small ministry um, related expenses um, and uh, awesome improvements like things that Amanda um, alluded to earlier with the kids check-in. Uh, check system. So basically we built this budget based on the trajectory that um, the giving trajectory that we had seen um, in the fall and winter of this past year and we just kind of took that um, linearly and projected it into 2019 and so basically um, uh, we just kind of carried that um, through the rest of the year. So um, if giving basically from fall and winter of this past year continues to be flat um, through 2019, this should be in the ballpark of where we're at. Now I'm hoping that we will um, not only meet that, but hopefully exceed that um, as um, you guys see um, what we're, you know, the plans that we have, and um, hopefully that some of those things are, um, are connecting with you and you're excited about those things. And so I hope that, um, that uh, our giving will uh, will increase here in 2019, not just be um, kind of flat with what uh, we've seen this past year in the fall and in winter. And so the more that we can, um, you guys give to the general fund, um, the quicker we'll be able to do um, uh, some of these improvements. So just wanna continue to just put that in front of you. And one of the things that um, we're also very excited about, Lord willing, is our elders will meet um, on March 1st and 2nd um, later this year um, to go over some very important strategic plan for 2019 as well as um, three-year goals and five-year goals. We've been working very hard um, at various level leadership levels of um, going through exercises um, to put together um, not just goals but also strategies and tactics to meet those goals and so we hope um, probably in the next two or three months we'll do another one of these family night meetings and we will go over the um, our 2019 um, goals and strategies strategies and tactics and we'll also go over our um, three-year plan and five-year plan and we hope that those will be things that will also just really resonate with you and will help you connect and see how um, 
uh, somewhere else to run on of on how you guys can be connected to what is going on here and what we feel that God's um, call and vision is for us as a congregation is hopefully we take more more ground and advance the kingdom here in our city. And so um, do, are there any questions pertaining to the 2019 budget? Um, That's okay. Um, sometimes it's better to ask those questions, um, you know, one-on-one, totally fine. Um, uh, so that ends the, um, the content of this meeting. Um, but before I close this in prayer, um, I just ask that um, uh, if everybody can help participate in, do you have something to add here, Chuck? Okay. Um, so we're gonna keep these um, six tables here. Every other table can be put away in the closets in the back. And then all the chairs can be put against the walls. Um, if you don't know how to do that, you can just connect with somebody who looks like they know what they're doing. Um, and if you would just be able to take your trash and um, you know put that in the in the various um, trash bins, there is extra food available. So go ahead and um, take some of those things. We do have um, Ziploc bags um, for you, you know for you to you know uh, box some of those things up and take that home um, with you all. So is that is that everything, Chris? Just in terms of the nuts and bolts of that. I'll be here to help guide and help. Okay. With that said, I'm going to hand it over to Chuck, and you can actually close this thing in prayer when you're done. If I could just add two things. One is that uh, tapping on top of pastors' uh, talk about the property, please consider what you can give. We want to limit debt, and eventually there will be some debt that will be accumulating. And if you've been here in the last couple of years, I just want you to understand that there has probably has been no sacrifice has been asked from you for eliminating, you know, the principal for this building. Because one of the things we have not done is push, push that over the years. To get into this building, folks that have been here sacrificed a lot. And we're all now reaping the benefits of that. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't, if, you've, if, if Orlando Grace Church has been, if you've been new the last couple of years, to get all these facilities, there's a lot of sacrifice. And I uh, just want to just remember, remind that of you. The other thing is that, as I mentioned in our in, uh, opening prayer, praying for the Santoras, um, Debbie's dad passed away uh, this afternoon. And I do need a, a couple young, strong bucks to help me move one piece of furniture into our, into our van. It's just down the street. So if you're interested, if you can do that. And uh, right after we, we leave here, I appreciate some, some assistance. I need that.